Well, welcome to the More to the Story podcast. I'm so glad that you have come along. Look, we have a great show. One of the great things that has happened in this past year was the outpouring at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. And many of you all know I am a proud alumnus of that institution, of both Asbury institutions, actually. So I was very excited about what was happening there uh, now, when I'm recording this three months ago, and then moving forward now, probably when this is published about four months ago, and I had several podcasts of people who were live on the scene and getting, uh, it was my way of getting involved in the action as best as I could, even though I couldn't be there physically. Um, so we're going to have this show. It's kind of like the what now and what's what's happening lately with the outpouring at Asbury University. So that's coming here soon with a few special guests. But first, I want you to know this podcast is brought to you by Wesley Biblical Seminary, where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. And we're excited that we're an approved institution by the Global Methodist Church, and we're the first institution to be have an approved course of study. In addition to our bachelor's, master's, master's of divinity, various MAs, and doctor of ministry degrees, we'd love for you to check us out at wbs.e. Also, if you are interested in things that come from this podcast, the More to the Story podcast, I would love for you to sign up for my email list. And if you do, you'll get like some regular things that come out for me probably every other week or so. And I offer everybody a free gift if you come on. And that is five steps to deeper teaching and preaching. It kind of helps people think through the exegetical task with the aim of thinking how you can present things. It's a 45-minute video teaching and an eight-page PDF guide to help you go deeper into scripture. Also, I want to let people know there's a um, this summer I am going to be probably just before you hear this, I'll be at a few different places speaking. And if you're in the area, I'd love to see you. I'll be at the Indian Springs Holiness Camp meeting. I think I'm speaking, you know, they really put you through the ringer there like 12 or 13 times. And um, some of those are three o'clock in the afternoon in the Georgia heat, but you're welcome to come. And uh, that's in Flowville, Georgia. I'll be in uh, Western Pennsylvania at the League Conference of the Salvation Army. And then I'll be in Olathe, Kansas in August um, at an event there at the Salvation Army uh, Corps in Olathe. And then there's a couple other things happening in the fall, but I do have a few dates open and I try to take one thing a month. So if you're interested, you can. there's a tab that you can check out at andymillerthe3rd.com. That's andymillerii.com. That's where you can uh, get connected to various things that are going on. And a backlog of all the podcasts, more than 100 of them, um, that have uh, conversations and various content that we produce, courses that are available for small group study. So you can check all that out there. Lastly, I'm thankful for WPO Development. They also make all this stuff happen, um, help me pay for some of the things to get the website up and that kind of thing. They uh, do capital campaigns, strategic plans, and mission planning studies. They've successfully helped 250 organizations achieve their goals. And I would encourage you to take a look at them if you're in a process of like a building campaign or even just thinking about it. And you can find a link to them in my show notes. All right. I am so glad. To welcome in to the podcast, my friend who serves as the associate dean of spiritual life and the university chaplain or university. Oh, I think I have the wrong title. Pastor. University pastor, Greg Hasselhoff. <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so good to see you. Andy, it is great to be here with you on this podcast. I mean, from uh, all the all the days of being on this campus with you back when you were a student and uh, the joy of uh, getting to do uh, ministry in, in the context that we've loved. Uh, I just love you telling the story and continuing to tell the story of what's happened through the outpouring. And it's, it's fun to be here and have this conversation with you. Oh, man, Greg, we were praying for you in the midst of all that. And I knew that once I, I got word, I had a I have a niece who's a freshman, Olivia, Olivia Rogowski, and we got word probably two or three hours after things were going that this was happening. And I thought, oh, man, Greg's going to be in the heart of this. And I, I think you probably were getting texts from all over the world, but I was almost I was almost afraid just to keep texting you. But I wanted you to know we were praying for you in the midst of all this. And we're so thankful for your leadership in the middle of the outpouring. Greg, just uh, we only have a few minutes here, but I'd love just to hear like your experience in the midst of it. But also, I want to get to like to think about what's happening now and what you think the consequences of some of this will be. Andy, That's a big question. I know, right? You, you want me to jump? You want me to talk about my experience, or, or yeah? Just give me. I know it's hard to kind of summarize. 
but I mean, you were you were right in the heart of everything. I mean, I saw a little picture of even the being the little closet where the operation was being organized. Yes. Give us a little uh, hint at that. Yes. For Andy, first, it's it's really fun to know that Olivia is your niece who's jumping into being a spiritual life assistant next year. So yes, he's right into leadership her sophomore year. And Andy, those prayers were felt. I mean, when we talked about how much we sensed Jesus orchestrating everything that was unfolding during the outpouring, so much of that was uh, the overwhelming sense that we that we heard and felt people's prayers uh, for what God was doing in Wilmore and and how the Holy Spirit was at move on our campus. So, so thanks. It felt like we were. Uh, undergirded by a million prayers and uh, mm. that that sense was was so strong and palpable and just um, that experience of leadership you said and, and, and you kind of went to the image of uh, the storage closet yeah yeah uh, we felt you know two or three days those first two or three days where you're just like kind of you're it's like you're grabbing on holding on saying lord um, we want to be faithful to what you're doing, and uh, this is moving quick, and we're 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 following and responding, and we we couldn't find places where there weren't people. <laughs> wow, we, you know, none of us um, that uh, were needing to put our heads together had offices close to Hughes Auditorium, so we literally grabbed uh, the worship professor and said, "Hey, you've got that." Uh, storage closet next to your office. Can we just come hang out in there? So seven or eight of us were, you know, finding chairs, sitting on top of desk or turning over a mop bucket and sitting down. And we, you know, someone would 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 walk in with a flip chart or a whiteboard. And we were kind of trying to etch out, uh, okay, this is what's happening. Uh, this This seems to be a good order of worship for the next couple of hours. Uh, let's let's etch that out. Uh, okay, you're you're gonna do the call to worship, and then the two of you are gonna orchestrate testimonies, and um, then okay, you're gonna you're gonna share a teaching, and and so we would just fly through and and land uh, in those little hidden spaces. Uh, wow. the, fir the first three or four days, um, it felt like we were just desperate for any space we could find. And we kind of entered into a rhythm of uh, every morning at eight and lunch at noon and, and dinner at five. Those were our hour or two together as leaders okay. when music was kind of leading the rest of the time. Okay. But we were at least begging for those times to say, okay, this is, this is how we sense uh, the Lord kind of ordering the next three or four hours in front of us. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was a group of, of people that, yes, you know, two or three of us would work together in one circle uh, and, two, you know, two or three members of the president's cabinet would be used to working to with each other on the president's cabinet. Uh, but none of us had worked together in that way until oh, out sure. again, where all of a sudden <laughs> we're forged by fire. Oh, man. Into, into that those kind of leadership circles. Yeah, that so, is so interesting. The number, keep, help me, how long did it keep going? How many people came through? What are some of those kind of stats from the outpouring? So we essentially have said somewhere between, between 350 and 370 hours. Okay. Uh, that it started at 10 a.m. on February the 8th. And 16 days later, uh, at midnight on February the 23rd, uh, was when we finished and uh, kind of when the, the last person left Hughes Auditorium after the collegiate day of prayer. Okay, so okay. We, there have, there's been a pretty broad estimate on number. Uh, I think conservative estimates have said that 50 to 70,000 people uh, came through. Wow. <laughs> but other estimates have 
frequently used as many as 100,000 people were here during that time. And did it feel like that to you? Did it feel like 300,000? <laughs> you know, that's a great question, Andy. The only reason it didn't is because a lot, a lot of those people were outside of the lines and we were so just immersed in Hughes Auditorium. Right, right. But the more you got outside and the more you saw other contexts, then it felt like that larger number. Yeah. So it it felt like there was all those that many people there only when you went out. Like you were pretty focused on what you had in front of you in Hughes or in the various other buildings where things were happening. That's when I think about those numbers. It was hard for people to leave Hughes. We knew that 1,500 people would fit in Hughes. Um, and we knew that there would be turnover a couple of times a day, but we almost, we had to ask people to be very considerate that, that the lines were outside and, and people wanted to come inside. So we know that even if Hughes turned over twice in a day, then, you know, at least 4,500 to 5,000 people were just in Hughes and out on the lawn. Um, we knew that we had two or three other thousand that were in line. And as the seminary began to create three to four more venues, filling up Estes Chapel, McKenna Chapel, um, on the largest day, they were also filling up uh, the gym and the cafeteria wow. so that they were actually hosting more people in venues than Hughes Auditorium was. Wow. It's so interesting to think about that, like with what was happening. One of the things that, you know, there, there was, I, I hope you didn't see it. And I heard that some people missed some of the criticism while it was going on. Like, so my family that was there, they're like, what? There's, I'm, I'm just focused on, on meeting with Jesus and serving people and praying for people. So I'm so glad that uh, that, that wasn't something probably burdening people is the way that some people were being critical. But one of the beautiful things I've heard since from multiple people who were participating was the conversions with people who somebody told me that, you, yeah, what you saw on video, the worship, the, the kind of the ambiance, the definite presence of the spirit was there. But where the real work and the real the, the beautiful thing, most beautiful things that were happening were happening at the altar um, and that people were just flocking. Uh, because they knew they needed something and, and they were needing to become Christians. <laughs> Andy, that is that is so true. And I'll kind of, a little bit in the movement of which you described that, people, <clears throat> ministry was beginning in the line. It was beginning uh, out in those spaces as people were waiting to come into Hughes. We would say that it felt like every square inch of Wilmore was holy ground. Wow. If, you, if you walked out of Hughes Auditorium and whether you walked down the line or walked across the street <clears throat> to Estes Chapel, it just all felt like worship space. And it was every square inch was holy ground. And people would start establishing these friendships. There would be worship songs <clears throat> that if the line was so far away that they couldn't even watch the screens there would be you know worship songs going on a, a block down and people would start establishing these friendships and people would you would meet them later and listen to these three or four people talking you would think wow these guys have been friends for five years and just came to Wilmore together and then they would tell you oh we just met each other in line and we just spent <laughs> the last five or six hours in line <clears throat> and so then getting to the uh you know, the description of what was happening at the altar, Andy, and to the really the holy, holy encounters uh, that people were having uh, with Jesus being tabernacled in Hughes. People would come after those five or six hours of being in line and, and people that were ushers there at the doors, uh, once people made it up the steps and then stepped inside the foyer and an usher would say, we've got open seats and we'll, we'll lead you to these open seats we have. Many, many times people would say, um, instead of going to our seats, can we go straight to the altar? Wow. And so there was just such, such this hunger 
for for kneeling, uh, for going straight to that to that place um, where people were kneeling before the Lord, and that wherever and however God was meeting people, if it was uh, someone you know giving their life to Jesus for the first time, or someone coming uh, in repentance of sin. Uh, you know, with Gen Z, uh, there was so much uh, deliverance from anxiety and depression. Yes. There was so much uh, freedom from pornography and other addictions. <clears throat> but that place of the altar was just this place of like, Jesus, the peace of Christ and the love of God is so palpable in Hughes that I'm that I'm going straight to the altar because I want nothing between me and him. Wow. And so that, 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 that kind of repentance and that kind of turning toward him and longing for purity of heart and holiness of life was just happening over and over and over with every encounter at the altar. Mm. Oh, I love it. You, you brought the anxiety piece. Now, I, I think I heard this from Mike Powers. I'm not sure who, who told me, but there is the, that is there some trouble now on the, this is a good, good problem that the counseling center, um, supposedly, this is what I had heard, is having trouble having uh, interns completing their hours because there's not as much need for people. It, it is, is, that, is, that, is that right? It is, it is true, Andy. That's, that is legitimate. And what what we know on campus in student life and the counseling center really knows is that every february is it's like the the darker months and it's just the it feels like those presenting issues are very prevalent and they're kind of they're maximized at yeah. that time of winter you know huh. seasonal affective disorder yeah and just a little bit more darkness so uh, there was there, there was a enough of a significant change in uh, a drop in clientele that yeah. those, those students that were doing internships there uh, were twiddling their thumbs a little bit and and didn't meet all the hours uh, that they needed to uh, fulfill their requirements. <laughs> wow, I love it! I love it. Okay, I, I want to make a pivot to be able to talk about what's happening now. Like you just got back from a trip. There's some. There's still activity happening, overflowing from the outpouring. That I guess outpouring isn't overflow in itself. But um, <laughs> but I'd love to hear about what's happening now. And it may be, yeah. Let's just start there. What's what's going on now? Great, uh, Andy. Some of what you were you and I were talking about a little bit is, uh, just the significance. Um, and the way ways in which God moved uh, its impact in so many streams of the body of Christ and mm -hmm. uh, people uh, asking for our students to come and share and come give testimony uh, to how they encountered the Lord and <clears throat> all the all the ways in which the Spirit was at work. So we've had we've had uh, seventy five to eighty. Uh, requests come to us for our students to to come give testimony. I was sharing with you that we just had four students that actually traveled to London, and uh, there was a leadership conference uh, for Alpha International, and so they had a gathering of of six thousand for their annual leadership conference, and our students were able to share and, and give testimony uh, about. Uh, how each of their lives were impacted and sharing um, about what God is doing in, in Generation Z through through the outpouring and in so many other places. So that was, they, they had an amazing time in London. Uh, we were able to experience uh, where God uh, was doing similar stirring in Generation Z there and, and bringing awakening. Uh, they they were uh, at at uh, Saint Church um, in in Hackney, one of the boroughs of London, and the week prior to us being there, uh, they had actually seen seventy people come to faith. 
Wow. And so um, they had an extended time of, of worship two nights uh, before we were there where uh, a Friday evening worship went all night long, uh, just with uh, a hunger in people that were 20 something, um, very thirsty and uh, so the, the the encounters and and the stirring of the spirit is very visible there. So our our students um, have been sharing just in in a wide uh, a wide array of places. Andy, they have been um, in churches from Louisiana to New York City, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Virginia, all over Kentucky. Um, we've had students that. Uh, shared about the outpouring at the gathering, the annual gathering for Christian Medical and Dental Association. Okay, yeah. We've had students that were sharing at uh, the CAPS conference, which is uh, uh, Christians uh, or, uh, in psychological studies. And so uh, from from churches to, to multiple other venues uh, where people have just been hungry uh, to hear uh, this move of God in Gen Z. And so yeah. we've got students that are traveling to in May to share at a music festival and uh, other other staff that are going to be a part of uh, a pastor's gathering in Canada. Um, so these th there's just a, a snippet of some of the stories and where yeah. such hunger to, to, to hear uh, how God has been at work. Oh, I love it. So wh where do we go from now, from here, uh, Greg? Like, it, when I say we, I'm not there with you. It's different. But but we, I say we, the Christian community in the United States is aware of what happened at Asbury, um, and particularly those who are connected to institutions like us. Like, I, I'm putting myself in with the we, but there's there's two we's, okay? There's a, <laughs> there's a we of what, what do you do as a campus, campus pastor? And then there's also the we of the Christian community as a result of what we know God is doing there and what he wants to continue to do. Could you help me think through that? Um, maybe if you want to address the what you, uh, what as the Asbury community, the people who are there right now need to do, but also maybe the second part of the question is the broader Christian community. Yes. <clears throat> Andy, on on campus, you know, I think uh, very uh, – important places that we stand going into uh, a school year next year coming out of this outpouring is, you know, the critical question that gets asked. Uh, these are kind of validated as legitimate moves of God as we as we see deeper fruit come forth. And mm -hmm. so discipleship movements come out of uh, genuine moves of God. Uh, yeah. There is uh, stronger foundations developed, and uh, what has been stirred up is is matured and developed roots, and so that's uh, very much in front of us uh, as as we come into the next few semesters following this outpouring is um, the the deepening roots of what has happened in our students, uh, what they've experienced. Uh, especially ones uh, that have made first-time faith commitments. Yeah, others yeah. that have kind of come from nominal places into having uh, their faith uh, revitalized and and these uh, just new passion for for walking with Jesus and and, and growing in holiness. So the, the those are things immediately in front of us. We know that our students are having. Uh, uh, they're bringing this passion in ways um, that they would like to express outwardly. And so whether that's uh, missions or, you know, uh, these opportunities to, to share testimony and um, we're experiencing over and over that, that students that were either shy or reticent to share their faith have suddenly become bold have suddenly found a, a voice that they didn't know that they had. Wow. And 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 it, it is just, we experienced this during outpouring. You know, there was kind of a, a, a 
faith begets more faith. So as faith escalated during the outpouring, uh, our students are experiencing that as they give testimonies, that, that they um, are growing more confident uh, in their own relationship with Jesus. They're growing more confident about uh, where he's calling them and what he's doing in their life. Uh, so discipleship, uh, very key for us. And uh, service and, and testimony and mission is very much in front of us as well as our students uh, just look for outlets. Yeah. Say, this is what God has stirred in me. Yeah. And this is where I want to, where I'm ready to share it and, yeah. and see it's be salt and light and, and, and see its impact upon the world. What was chapel like uh, two weeks after outpouring? There was, uh, I could kind of say a, there's, a, there's a both and. So there were parts of campus in, in which we knew needed to normalize a little bit. Yeah. So, a, you know, there were students, uh, there were students that were ecstatic and tired. You know, there were students that knew that they had school responsibilities. Uh, you know, there were, there were, you know, still a threat of students that were just like, oh my goodness, uh, where, where did all these people come from? And I kind of just need some life to return to normal. Yeah, sure. So chapel, you know, in some ways took on like, okay, we're back to uh, a normal routine that has a little bit of, uh, you're grateful for it, you know, that it's like, okay, this is, this is what I'm familiar with. Uh, but there was, I, I walked through the student center a month after outpouring was over and was just having a conversation with three juniors uh, sitting in the coffee shop. And and one of them just kind of chimed in and said, hey, Greg, I want you to know that chapel's different. Wow. And that you can just sense a, a, a different measure of freedom. Mm. And you can sense students uh, leaning in uh, with their eyes wide open and um, it, and, and, you know, it's not in this sense of, oh, is outpouring going to happen again, but right. just with a sense of, 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 of paying attention and not taking for granted uh, being in chapel, but really uh, dialing in to, um, to what Jesus, how Jesus wants to meet them yeah. in chapel worship uh, every week. So one thing I've heard you say, I've just observed it in the way that you're talking, and it's helpful to me, is that when you speak of the revival, the outpouring, you actually don't use a definite article. You end up saying outpouring with outpouring. And I actually tried to copy you a minute ago. And it, uh, <laughs> but uh, you say uh, with outpouring or people reflecting on outpouring. I'm not, and not, I may even be more dramatic, but I, I like that because it's not just something that is accomplished and completed, right? Mm -hmm. This is there. There are outpourings, and uh, I don't know. Is that intentional on your part? Oh, I think it is, Andy, and um, and you're definitely reflecting on it in ways that I have. Sometimes, uh, if I say the outpouring, I start feeling like I'm, um, you know, uh, boxing what the Lord's done into an event and into a, a moment. And that's just not at all what we experienced. I mean, we experienced an outpouring of the presence of God, the love of God, his grace, uh, his, his healing mercy. And it is, it, it is a life that we're really invited into over and over again. And so uh, I think we've definitely you know, been searching uh, for for language that reflects both uh, what God did as well as what God continues to desire to do. Amen. Oh, I love it, Greg. Well, let me, I know this question is kind of a tough one, but in the sense of like, well, I don't really, it doesn't matter. I just where God has me now, but what what's the kind of message for us going forward for the Christian world as a result of what was, I mean, this, i some of us, other alumni might feel the same way. It's like, I used to go around and say where I went to school and I'd say, I go to, I went to Asbury university 
raspberry, uh, ashberry. Wait, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. But now I'm kind of like, hey, I'm the I'm the popular guy in, in church Sunday school class. All of a sudden, <laughs> like people are people know who um, know about Asbury and they've heard of it. So, but the world is aware to a certain degree of what happened. Where do we go as a as a Christian community? Yes. Andy, um, one of the most significant things, I think of two things. The most significant is what's happened in Generation Z, right? Um, This uh, generation that uh, I think we were actually starting to call it an unreached people group. Wow. Because uh, there was, you know, the number of uh, Jesus followers in Gen Z uh, such a decline over generations uh, older than them, and and just you know a continuing reflection in our own country of kind of post-Christendom kinds of realities. And so, uh, this this message to the church, uh, you know, it's I, I'm old enough that I can that I can say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a part of a generation that knows where the church can get cynical or where the church can just forsake the younger. Uh, and, and this awakening in Gen Z has, has just uh, given the church such a ripe opportunity uh, to lean in to what God is doing in the generation and let what's happening in the generation um not be the future of the church, but be the present of the church Amen. Yeah, of what God yeah. is do- of what God is doing right now in this moment to reach uh, and how he's moving in a generation um, to, to draw so many to Jesus that that could only happen with a move of God. Yes. Uh, as pastors, as clergy, as leaders of Christians, organizations and ministries, we we know the difference between seasons when we're just kind of putting our hand to the plow and being faithful and the work is hard and it feels like the fruit is slow. And then the moments that we've experienced in recent months when God moves and does something that accelerates time and multiplies the fruit, uh, there we've got us there's much to be seized in and what God is doing in Generation Z. I think um, we actually had some people that we were working with uh, th- that, you know, ask Asbury to host Collegiate Day of Prayer on February 23rd. Um, they asked us a year ago uh, if they could be here on yeah. February 23rd for that Collegiate Day of Prayer event. And then we so much saw, you know, God orchestrating that moment. Well, as we were planning, uh, one of the leaders said, oh, and, and do you know that on February 24th is the release of the Jesus Revolution? Uh, so have you seen the movie? Yeah, Andy? I did. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think uh, just that reality and uh, of what happened in a generation, you know, in, in the early 1970s that brought such incredible uh, awakening and renewal in the church. Uh, as as the church realized where old wineskins needed to fade and, and, and new wineskins uh, needed to be set up. So we, we are experiencing those kind of moments uh, for church leaders uh, to say, what does this mean? Uh, yeah, what do we yeah. have to get... What has to be removed? How do we have to get out of the way um, in order uh, for the nameless and faceless generation um, to uninhibitedly come to Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, that that was a real sense for me of, of uh, and when I've heard the story of conversions or reaffirmations of people's faith that, that there's this sense that, man, this is what, this spark is what's needed to cause it. Now, you and I both have been in environments and you've been working in student ministries with 1,500 students for a couple of decades now. And so there's a beautiful opportunity. You've had to see people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and, and we want these moments, but to see it happen on such a, a mass scale of just the people flocking to Wilmore or mm -hmm. hopefully in other places that it happened as well to see that happen. It's like, yeah, you're right. This, we need, we need this to be a move of God. And we're thankful, like whatever we can do to, to pray. Like I, I imagine you still have a, a revival week. It's just interesting. Um, spiritual emphasis weeks at Asbury University. Like we're thankful we want to have those and God uses them, but man, these special moments, we need those too. That's right, Andy. And I, and you're getting to my second point because okay. that first, the first point, you know, so much on, uh, yeah, where does the church um, need to fast forward? You know, it's, uh, it's creating the space for Gen Z. And second, uh, just the hunger across the generations uh, that that in this moment it, it is as if it is as if the world was waiting and just saying you show me where God is authentically showing up and I will go to encounter it so the world wow, is yeah. desperate they're desperate to see an authentic manifestation of the Lord and and I thought that was you know just one of the the realities that stood out so much as people flocked to our to our little two stoplight town, right? <laughs> yeah. So this 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 kind of hunger and thirst that uh, that's across the generations, and it's you know <clears throat> we've uh, reflected on the timing that we all just came out of COVID. Uh, and so the two, two and a half years of isolation uh, that existed, um, the kind of polarization uh, that that kind of grew during the COVID years, uh, the mental health crisis that our country is in, and and no one there there is there there is no there is no societal answer <laughs> uh, until Jesus comes and in this moment um, of an outpouring we experience Jesus so visibly um being the answer to, to yeah. people's heart cries. Yeah. Awesome. Well Greg thanks so much for your time today. It's meant so much to me. Now I always ask the question is there more to the story of Greg that's usually told? Now you might be tempted to say that you share your backyard neighbors with my father my parents, which must be an adventure in itself. But beyond that, is there is there more to the story of Greg Hasselhoff? Uh, well, Andy, having your dad as uh, and your mom as backyard neighbors is a great thrill. And that's a new gift of the <laughs> last couple of years, for sure. That That is for sure. Uh, more to my story is that in 15 years of being uh, at Asbury University and just the thrill of being here. <laughs> My own background is not at a Christian college university. You know, I right. a big state school for my education. And I came to Jesus in a campus ministry called the Wesley Foundation yeah. uh, at Texas Tech University. So uh, it's a very different trajectory um, you know, then the context I'm getting to work in at a Christian liberal arts school. And people laugh all the time when I tell them that my undergraduate major uh, was a bachelor of science in animal business. There you go. <laughs> a good, a good West Texan right there, you know, is a, it, it, you know, we're praying too for the Wesley foundations in this time as they're like, as things are happening at the global Methodist church and the and the UMC been such a powerhouse. I think, uh, were you at Texas tech? Was that where you were? I was at Texas tech and had a chance, uh, to serve as the director there a few wow. years later after I finished seminary and the Wesley foundations there, uh, in West Texas have found themselves, um, in some processes of, uh, they're not calling it disaffiliation, uh, okay. but they're, uh, in a sense, becoming independent. Okay. Uh, but you're you're so accurate, Andy. Um, m most other Wesley foundations across the country 
are in are are in predicaments kind of during this time of change and uh, finding avenues, uh, you know, to really continue the vital vital ministries that are taking place there. We 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 have uh, Wesley Foundations um, that have just become incredible places uh, for discipleship uh, for young men and women. Uh, being called in, into ministry and into church leadership uh, and coming to seminary out of those contexts across the country. But this is a crucial time to be praying for them, yeah. uh, for how the Lord would provide for them and, and kind of what uh, pathways are going to exist for them over the next few months and next few years. Right. Well, Greg, thanks so much for your leadership in the midst of outpouring this this particular outpouring that's continuing and uh, at, on the campus of Asbury. It means a lot to me to know you're there and we we trust you and we thank God for your leadership. So thanks for coming too on the podcast. Andy, thanks for this time. Great to be with you and thanks for your ministry and all your work at uh, Wesley Biblical. Well, friends, I am so glad to have a special guest on today. This, this is an episode where we're talking through outpouring at Asbury University, and I am delighted to have Iana Jones with me. You may not know that you know her or of her work, but you probably do because all over social media in a variety of places, I'm going to hold it up. Her artwork has been shared. Now, I'm sad to say that me holding this up right now is probably not a good representation because it doesn't demonstrate the colors as vibrantly as they are displayed here. But Liana, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I, I had no idea that I reached out to try to, I, I saw your piece of art being shared. Somebody took a picture of it from the stage. And like, I think it was sitting on the stage at Hughes Auditorium. And I was so curious of it. And then I saw people start to share it. And then I wanted to use it as, as I was having hosting a few podcasts that um, we're talking about the revival outpouring in Asbury. And so I emailed you and got permission, but I had no idea you're a high school student. And I was like, oh man, so what a treat. What a, would you tell me a little bit about um, how you got, well, let's, let's start with this. How did you get, get to um, be at Asbury while this outpouring was happening? So um, I actually had heard about it from my mom. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a homeschool student and yay homeschoolers. <laughs> he, um, mentioned that chapel hadn't stopped and this was on Wednesday and I was, uh, not really thinking about it. Honestly, I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. And then I moved on with my life and then Thursday rolled around. It had been going on for about 24 hours and I, usually go to a worship set at my dad's work and okay. I um I had decided that day I was really tired and I had some school to do and so I I didn't really want to go and I was like you know what I'm gonna stay home today I think that would be the best decision and then mom was talking about how it was still going on I was like they went a whole 24 hours she's like yeah they kept going and I was like wow so I, um, well, what happened honestly is that I just really felt the urge, like the need to go and be a part of it somehow, to go sit yeah. in the room at least. And as I was getting ready to leave, um, I really felt the Lord prompting and um, he said pretty clearly, bring a canvas. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, Excuse me. Are you sure? I'm okay with painting and doing art, but like a canvas, that's pretty big. That's going to be in the way. And I say this as I'm walking towards my room to go get the canvas because I, I had a feeling I've learned that, you know, you don't really argue with God. It doesn't work that way. So I go and um, my sister overheard me as I was walking in there and I just said, oh, I guess I'm bringing a canvas. Then I picked up all my stuff and I just went to Hughes. Um, I went up to the balcony. All right, let me stop you. So yeah. did you know, did you have interaction? Your mom said she knew uh, this was happening at Asbury. Uh, were you connected to Asbury in any way? Well, um, we're 
part of the Wilmore community. Oh, you um, live in Wilmore. Okay. We live in Nicholasville actually, okay. but a lot of my life was in Wilmore. My parents went to seminary there. Okay. Um, my dad's work is there. My family's very involved with it. Um, okay. A couple of things like that. I have a lot of friends there. I go to GCF, which is in Wilmore. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, I do take uh, classes at Asbury, or I did this past year, um, which were dual credit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what does your dad do at the seminary? Just curious. Uh, my dad does not actually work at the seminary. He oh. works in Wilmore. Um, oh, in Wilmore. He, yeah. He works at Cornerstone International. Oh, okay. Um, the mission sending organization. I've been involved there ever since I was probably like five. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I knew GCF Church, Great Commission Fellowship, just as everybody mm -hmm. knows. I knew that back when it used to meet at the, when I was a student at Asbury, both Asbury institutions is in the, it was in um, the camp meeting site, but now it's across the street from Asbury University, right? Uh, it's in. Yes, actually, I believe they opened their doors as a satellite uh, camp, like satellite area during okay. the outpouring. Oh, great. Okay. Interesting. There actually. So, okay. Yeah. That helps give a little bit of context for how you would know about now. What's interesting though, the reason I asked Yana is because some people found out about it, you know, just through random people and they're completely, I mean, I had friends here in Jackson, Mississippi who knew about it and were completely unconnected that um, the institutions. So, but it's, in that's interesting. So you were like second day you were there. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> you too much. So you went in with your canvas. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so I was trying to figure out a good spot to be able to paint and um, well the balcony was very available it was rather empty and I went up there just to look around find a space and I actually I took um, a hymnal and a bible out from behind my seat yeah. and propped up my easel with it so that it wouldn't fall and uh then wrapped that in brown paper because I didn't want to mess up their their books. And then I put up the canvas and I just took a moment to just sit in the space. Because honestly, whenever I drove, we drove the car onto campus, I could feel a distinct difference. Right, right. The presence of the Lord was there. And it just got thicker and thicker once you got in there. And so I just took a moment to just sit and watch what was happening and just enjoy the moment and soak in just his presence. It was incredible. And, and then one of the things that the Lord had kind of been saying to me subtly, but I, I really heard most clearly in that moment was capture the moment. Hmm. And I, I just let God do what he wanted to do on the canvas. And I just knew I needed to paint what was in front of me. And I just started from there and, and went on. And, wow. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to um, paint this? It took about four okay. hours. I, um, I actually have the original piece right here. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'd love to, yeah. If you want, if you turn your camera to, I was just going to put it up. So imagine people find it's, it's okay. If you can't get there. Um, here, I'm just going to pick it up. There you go. Look at that. Okay. That's the original, huh? Yep. That's the original. Okay. Uh, I, there's this something and now I've, I've spent a lot of hours. I've had tears. I've had wonderful sense of God's presence in that building. And there was something about that space, even though I didn't have the privilege of being at the outpouring in Wilmore in those days. Um, I know the room, I know the room very well. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I know the spirit, but it just connected immediately when I saw it. And just this real rich sense that that's, that it, it, it's amazing how art can connect you to, an, an atmosphere, uh, and a sense, uh, a definite feeling. So what, can you describe the painting a little bit more to me? Like what, like you, you, you sense God's voice and you responded to it, but tell me what you are like trying to hit at. What, what did you want to emphasize? Well, I would say, um, the biggest thing was just the, the presence of the Lord being there. Mm -hmm. and the presence of worship there was just this outpouring <laughs> of yeah. the 
just this need to worship. And that drove the whole thing the whole way. And being in that room just within the first 24 hours where there, what I thought were a lot of people were there, um, you could just, it was just this heart of worship for God. And then him and his Holy Spirit just coming down and responding to that. It was just an outpouring of love. And I just really, I really just saw that and wanted to capture that in it. And in reality, I, I look at this picture and yes, a lot of the warm tones in it, the lots of yellow, the color balance really helps to bring that out visually. Yeah. But th- there's more to it there. There's a level of painting expertise that I have not accomplished oh, on interesting. my own in interesting. other pictures before. This is the Holy Spirit. Okay. He yes. This through me. And I know from personal experience. And honestly, most paintings that I paint, I can look at it and I can pick it apart. I can go, oh, yeah, that's how I did that brush stroke. And that's what that happened with that. I cannot do that with this one as easily. Wow. So that is so interesting. And, and now, one of the things I noticed about the painting is like toward the middle, like as you look at it, you can see the organ. Um, the organ pipes and then you see the cross you see a piano but i mean it's it's it's, i don't know abstract it's somewhat it's not realistic but yet there's this movement going up to the ceiling Mm -hmm. uh is i mean tell me about that uh i i would say that's um a way of like it wound up becoming this way of of showing just that collective movement toward God mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also that real outpouring of him. Yes. Of the Holy Spirit of his love. And so it's kind of a both ways thing yeah. as, as far as what I see in it. And honestly, one of the things that I love about- I'll this put it up here just so people can get a visual while I'm doing it. It might be easiest. Go ahead. Keep talking. Um, one of the things that really- um, I love so much about this painting is that it just brings out um, different things to different people. Some people, it's the light streaming in through the windows that stands out to them. Some people, they see it as worship going up. Some people see it as uh, the Holy Spirit cleansing from um, down onto the people. And it's just God speaking to people in any way that they need to be spoken to. Yes. Yeah, it's so great. And I, I yeah. do love the windows. Uh, I, you know, I used to sit by those windows. I had a, uh, I had a signed seat behind one of them. And there's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting how you have the different colors coming in from the outside. And, but the windows are not square. There's like a circular shape to them that's not there. But yet it's like it's communicating something really clearly. So, oh, Iana, this is great. I'm so glad to talk to you. Now, you have had an interesting journey ever since you painted this painting. Tell me what happened next. <laughs> so, um, well, afterward, afterward, I, I finished it. And um, I, I just, all the way through, um, I had a lot of people coming up and they were asking if they could take pictures and people um, coming and talking to me. And uh, it just gave an opportunity for me to be able to encourage some people and be able to connect with some people. I had some other artists that I wound up being able to talk to and connect with. Actually, one of them, we wound up painting uh, several days later at the outpouring for individual people. and so that was really cool, just to be able to minister and uh, bless others through yeah. art alongside someone. Um, and then, well, after that, I I got to go down and worship actually with my youth group. Okay. Down um, on the bottom floor, and I actually wound up spending the night in Hughes. Wow. I stayed all the way until about two o'clock on Friday. And that was a really big thing for me. Um, 
yeah, I, I deal with some health issues and okay. sleeping in a building, um, not really sleeping actually in a old building with hard floors was not something I wanted to do. Um, right. and I was like, Lord, I, he, he just kind of, I felt the prompting that I needed to. And I was like, Lord, I will be like spent. And he said, I'll fill you up. Wow. And that, it, it, it definitely was a step of faith for me. Um, and I, I got about probably two hours of sleep, but okay. he packed all eight into two. So, okay. <laughs> wow. So, and then uh, after, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. So not too long say, after that, then I got, I got in touch with you. I know at least I did. And I was trying to mm -hmm. somebody uh, randomly, I uh, somebody shared a picture of your painting and then mm -hmm. somebody said, who did this? And then I got your mom's uh, Facebook or email or something. I forget what I did. And I was able to get her and then she got me to you. I didn't want to use your painting without your permission. Um, but tell me about that side. Like what, what started happening? Um, with um, the painting particularly? So after it was done, um, a lot of people saw it because it sat up on the balcony for quite a while. Um, and then I did some other painting things. I had some other ways that I ministered to people. Um, I had, you know, opportunities where people were able to bless me. And obviously mm. I spent the night there. And then the days kind of got blurred together a little bit. So I'm not really sure exactly when it was. Yeah, I understand. But at some point, I actually mentioned to Jen Hasselhoff yeah. that I painted it. Yeah. And she got so excited. And she <laughs> said, wait. And she goes downstairs because um, Zach, who had been speaking yep, yep. Um, the first person who had been speaking on that Wednesday and then everything kicked off. He was like, had just talked to her or she had just saw him. I'm not really sure. Anyway. So she drags him upstairs. She was like, you got to come see this. Somebody painted something. Right. So I, I went to go get it and I picked it up and I brought it over and, um, Zach, um, I, I just said, I, I want to be able to like, I don't know what we need to do with this. Like, I, I feel like there's something else we need to be doing with the painting. And um, he, first off, he just, he just encouraged me so much. Um, mm. he, just, he poured out just these beautiful things saying how much the Lord loves to watch me paint and create and praise him that way. And that was incredible and very very sweet oh and, great yeah and then i um said well what do we need to do with this he said well it needs to go on the stage and i said okay <laughs> and so he connected me with someone else who works with the chapel and i uh we actually grabbed an easel that was like tucked in a back corner and we took it up we walked on stage, set the easel up, put the painting up, and got back off the stage. And what else happened from that? I I honestly don't know. I I just know that there were many people that told me that they saw it on the stage, and um, and it blessed them in some way. And yeah. yeah. So. so at some point, though, uh, people like me started bothering you and saying, how can I get a copy of this? I'd like I'd like this. Yeah. So I imagine I wasn't the only one. But if I was the only one, I'm glad to be the only one. But <laughs> Actually, that's part of the reason why the prints came about. I was certain that I wanted to be able to bless um, the college in some way, the university. And um I knew that I wanted to, with the painting itself, um, as of right now, at least a print will be going up uh, at Asbury. Yeah. Um, and well, what happened is that the, the painting was just, it impacted so many people. And I had lots of people coming up to me, friends of ours, 
people that had just met me realized I was the one who painted it. And they kept saying the same thing. You need to make prints available. You need to do postcards somehow. You need to have it on cards. You need to have yeah, yeah. prints made. You need to have prints made. And I just kept hearing that over and over again. And I was like, you know what, Lord? I think I get the message. I do. <laughs> I'm totally for it. And um, honestly, at the beginning, I didn't really know how to react with the whole um, making prints and selling them aspect because I give away my art. Yeah. Doing that, it makes me very uncomfortable. Sure, um, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, and especially something just this this personal and valuable in the way of um, the Holy Spirit working through me to create it. Because yeah, I, I've done yeah. this before with many yeah. paintings, and they've always been something personal for an individual or yeah. pictures of it were what some people needed, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it made me very, very uncomfortable, but I just knew I needed to do it. And I yeah. kind of, told, I told my dad, I was like, you know what? I, well, actually what happened is that we had a gentleman reach out to us who offered to cover the cost of getting the prints professionally scanned. Okay. So that it be printed. Uh, the painting, sorry, professionally scanned. And I, um, I just said to my dad, okay, I can do this. I don't like it, but I can yeah. do it because God's asking me to. So I'll jump in with both feet and we'll figure this out. And then from there, we just started going through the process, which wound up being a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. It took probably about six weeks yeah. until we had the prints fully packaged in piles of like 150. And then um, now, uh, and then we had to buy shipping materials and set up a website. And now I'm running a small business out of my house. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Well, uh, I'm a customer. I'm a very satisfied customer. <laughs> I'll say that. And uh, you have various options. So I have the smallest one because I have a very particular spot that where I want it to go, but it's yeah. also the cheapest. But I mean, $15 for this and you have them as, big, as much as $50. So I imagine it's pretty big, probably mm -hmm. as, as big as the one behind you, I would imagine. Yeah. About it, that. It's about this um, minus about three inches total because um, all the way around there is a white border. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. It's yeah, so, so you have that and you have that going. Uh, how's that going? Have you had, uh, how, can you tell me about how many you've sold? We've sold over 60 for sure. Wow, great. Yeah, yeah. I would have to check the specific numbers, but I know we've, we've reached over 60. Well, I'm hoping my listeners will make double that up, you know, <laughs> that, that we will get, get more. So everybody right now, I'm sure you've already checked it out if you're interested, but you can go to my show notes and you'll find a link to art by Iana and that's her website. It's a really nice website. And, you know, we're really hoping that this will be something that God will bless you with. And, you know, you use the money as you need to maybe How, what, what year are you in school? I am a senior right um, now. So you're just about to graduate. Yes. Okay. You yes. could use some money. I could, <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully we can, I, I want to be able to use it, um, to be able to bless more people. And, um, if that means that I invest in more schooling for art with it, or I am able to get more supplies, that would be wonderful, but we'll see. Okay. What What's your plans? Are you going to Asbury? I am definitely considering Asbury. Oh, okay. Um, right, right now though, I'm going to be taking a gap year. Okay. Um, my mom suggested it. She's very wise. So I will. Great. Stick with her with her suggestion, um, and then we'll see over this. Art, is next art? Year. You think in arts in the future as a profession? Yeah. yeah. Great. This next year, I may have some opportunities to do some interning with some artists. So wonderful. Yeah. And maybe some teaching. Well, I I th would think so. I would hope so. <laughs> well, Iana it is such a. I, I it's so clear that God is at work on your life, not just through your painting but your own testimony 
And I yeah. know we could have we could talk for a lot longer, but it means a lot to me that you gave me permission to use your artwork. I think that God you, God certainly used it in my life. And um, you know those those podcasts and uh, web when I use on my website, it, that image connected people right away. So thank you for that, for being obedient to that voice when you're leaving your house that day and, uh, and all that. Okay. One more last question. I always, my podcast is called more to story. So I ask people if there's more to the story of Iana or more to, is there something else? I mean, you're obviously talking a lot about your artwork these days, but is there anything else that's kind of interesting about you that you don't often get to share? Um, that's a really good question. So you kind of have to think for a second. Um, Do you like to go spelunking or something like that or hiking? <laughs> you have like a hobby, another hobby besides art, maybe? Um, I love dancing. Do you? Yeah, I, I danced for a, a long time, for about 10 years. I did ballet. Okay. Um, in a semi-professional school that was run like a professional school. Great. Um, I love it and I can't stop dancing. Um. As of now, I'm on a hiatus as to professional training, but yeah. I I dance when I can, and it is certainly a blessing. Oh, that's my daughter's a dancer. She's in the ballet Magnificat school in oh, here, Jackson. Yes, yes. And I, my, yeah. I own multiple of their DVD uh, performances, actually. Oh, right. It's a great, great <laughs> Christian program. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, um, and then and then obviously. Uh, um, my children are also in the art, you, you, and my, and my kids are homeschooled. You have a lot in common. I'd love to get you guys together, have a conversation. Well, thanks so much, Yana. It means a lot to me. You came on the podcast today and people go check out her website, order this painting. God bless you. Thanks, Yana. All right. Thank you for having me.